laughter, dealing with our pressures, building trust, being vulnerable, understanding our boundaries. Like this isn't just like a one-time magic thing that we're going to figure out. It's a lifelong process. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 66. And today my guest is Karen Eddington, who is the author of Understanding Self-Worth. And she uses her experience in stand-up comedy and improv to teach laughter as a form of self-care. She's researched identity for 15 years, looking for patterns and created original solutions to help people under pressure. Her real talent is getting a family of five in the car. What started out as a research project to understand pressure now becomes an unexpected mission to heal the most universal and dangerous experiences we can have. You can watch Karen's TEDx talk to learn more about her research. Reach a higher level with laughter and connection. Karen works with audiences to improve productivity, form stronger teams, and build community. Research-based methods focus on building strong individuals who make powerful teams with confident leadership. Her programs have been described as a hilarious reality check while being called a speaker who can create a community and bring the room together. Karen is a funny keynote speaker with a powerful emotional range. Our discussion focuses on her research project to understand pressure, along with a discussion on the role comedy and improv have in dealing with pressure. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to talk a little bit about Listen, Learn, and Earn. If you've been listening lately, you know that I've partnered with the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute to bring an exciting new learning opportunity for accounting professionals to earn CPE credits. The initial response has been very positive. You can earn up to one self-study CPE credit for each completed podcast episode purchased for only $29 through the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute self-study website. The podcast episodes are mobile-friendly. Open your browser on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Go to the MACPA BLI self-study account and listen to an episode. Take the review and final exam while you're working out or after listening to an episode on your commute to and from work. It's that easy. Now, while all selected improv is no joke podcasts are available on my website, only those purchased through the MACPA BLI self-study website are eligible for CPE self-study credit. You can get detailed information by visiting my website at petermargaritas.com and clicking on the graphic, Listen, Learn, and Earn, Improv is No Joke podcast on my homepage. I hope you enjoy this exciting and flexible new way of earning CPE credit. So with that, let's get to the interview with Karen. Karen, first, thank you so very much for taking time to be on my podcast. I am so looking forward to our discussion today. Oh, Peter, it's going to be great. Let's have some fun and have a good conversation. 
Oh, I'm I'm sh- I'm sure we will, and, and I, I will go out on a limb and say I almost guarantee there'll be laughter throughout this uh, interview today. Oh, good. I hope so. I hope so. I didn't mean to add any additional pressure on myself or yourself, but I'm I, I'm sure between the two of us and, and our comedic backgrounds, I, I'm sure laughter is out there. But before we get into any of that, can you give the audience your story? Who who is Karen Eddington, and and, and what you do? Right. So I am a researcher and a comedian. So basically, I use my original data and comedy to teach the Under Pressure Project to audiences. And I do have a TED Talk. Um, My TEDx talk is called The Connecting Power of Shared Laughter, which kind of shows all of that. But that's what I do, but I can backtrack. Are you ready for the backstory? Oh, let's go for it. Okay, here's the whole backstory. So I have been speaking since 2003, right out of college. I did um, a college capstone thesis on how we feel about ourselves and interviewed about 500 students. And I just started speaking from there, just kind of got pulled in to share what I've learned along the way. And I decided at one point that I was going to try and be funny. Oh my goodness. And <laughs> I still remember, it was a women's <laughs> it was a women's conference and I still remember like their blank stares, because the very first thing I said was, I'm going to tell you three things that are funny. And um, there were just crickets. <laughs> and I know, I know it lit a fire because I just thought, oh no, this is not going well. And I remember, oh, I remember trying to tell a joke about the drinking fountain, trying to stick your face in before you push the button. And there were crickets again. And anyway, I moved on and I did it. And I, I left thinking, oh no, how does this humor stuff work? How do you make people laugh? And from there I spent it and I failed. I just felt, I felt that bomb feeling of not letting it work. And so I spent about six years after that compiling jokes in notebooks and I would watch comedians on TV and any special I could. And I have like massive piles of notebooks where I would hit the pause button and say, what did they just do? Why was that funny? All while I was still kind of speaking about my research. So, and I have this fierce love of laughter. Like I love it. It's helped me get through some hard times. Sometimes I think that, that laughter heals and strengthens us when sometimes nothing else can. And so um, after a while, I finally got the courage to go to a comedy club. I went to open mic night and I just remember thinking, this is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> but, um, and I remember I did my set and the thing is, nobody laughed yep. except the drunk guy. <laughs> and he actually, he laughed at all the wrong time. So <laughs> but I remember once again, like I got in the car, my husband went with me and we got in the car after. And I said, I was just thinking, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And you know, what's funny is that living like my worst fear and living that failure is what gave me the courage to keep going. And what I did is I left, I, I just thought, you know, if, if this is my low, if I can survive this, I can survive this again. <laughs> so I left the shadows of um, open mic nights and decided to do my own show. So I did, um, I, I rented out, well, I didn't even rent it out. I had a connection where I got an auditorium at the high school and just called all my friends and family and said, Hey, I'm going to be a comedian. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need your support. <laughs> and, uh, they showed up and they supported me and we had some laughs. Granted, it was a little bit bumpy, but I started doing my own, um, shows. So along the way, I've done all of my research 
I picked up another research project called the Under Pressure Project. This was about eight or nine years ago, and um, this is a lot of information. We'll, we'll catch up to the future here in just a second. But no worries. I wanted to know the biggest. Okay, good. I wanted to know the biggest pressure, and it started with students that students were facing, and I wanted to know more specifically their solutions that they had to get through. And I ended up with a massive pile of about 500 surveys that had open-ended questions on them. And so here I was also, like I'm a researcher, I'm looking at all this information, I'm trying to find patterns. So um, I, I just started looking at what they'd said and their responses, and it ended up that their biggest pressure, I know they said things like peer pressure and drug abuse and, and other such things, but their biggest pressure was achievement-based. And this fascinates me because it, it's so applicable to all of us today even. But their biggest solution for getting through was to develop a support network. So this is actually significant. Granted, it was about eight years ago, very significant because I couldn't stop looking for patterns all while doing my comedy on the side. I'm looking for patterns in, in like professional networking meetings. I'm looking for patterns in neighborhoods and gossip and all these things. And I started to see one common thing in every one of those situations with adults and then back to the students. And I went back to the under pressure project and I noticed something that there was one thing that we all had in common. And I call it the most probably universal and dangerous experience we can have, and that's mental isolation. The times we feel alone in our mind, that sometimes that how somehow we're diminished water excluded. And so this now is kind of the under pressure project. As time has gone on, and I've kind of figured out comedy a bit, I've been able to combine it. I've been able to bring in comedy to help us heal pressure. But right now I function under um, the Under Pressure Project. And so we, we heal pressure using comedy, but we also heal mental isolation, helping people, people not feel so alone, helping people feel like they're part of a community. So that gives you a lot of information to work with, but that is kind of the, the, the rundown of, of what I've done. Wow. Um... Wow! Wow! <laughs> Again, um, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm tired. I, I'm busy. I've been busy. I'm you, tired. You, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm exhausted, and I'm just. I'm going. How do you keep? I mean, what do you, the Energizer Bunny? Uh, but I, I have met you, as I told everybody, and you did a wonderful session on misdirection at, at NSA uh, Influence in a breakout session. So you are funny, and, and to get to, even to do a breakout session at, at NSA on the topic of funny and, and before you started you had some heavy hitters in that room and i'm going i'm not sure i'd be able to stand up there with them in the audience critiquing me but you're smart you recruited them to help be part of your presentation which i thought was absolutely brilliant oh thanks yeah all about creating a community it's good and i'm not gonna lie uh, my knees were shaking a little bit <laughs> i was nervous but it felt right and it felt good and i loved it let's share let's create a community and I love that concept of of creating that community to help deliver information. But I'm also now thinking about this under pressure project. What you said the one thing that we all share is that isolation time in our head. Right. Well, have you ever been surrounded by people and still felt alone? Or even like when I'm around professionals, I've been to like for example, I guess for. We're kind of talking about NSA. I've been to like my NSA chapter meeting before, and you walk into that room and people are putting on their best. 
Like they're, they've got their smiles on and they're like, hi, how are you? I'm successful. And sometimes we're not talking about the real things. We're not talking about, oh, I don't know, like the, the struggles, our fears, our failure, our efforts. And so that's kind of where the mental isolation comes in. Sometimes we're in those professional moments and we still feel somehow like we're alone. We're around all these people, but somehow we're still somehow diminished, flawed, or excluded. And that's where that idea comes in because it's a universal experience. So let me ask this question. Did you attend the gala uh, at NSA at the convention? Uh, no, he wasn't at that one, but I've been to them before. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, I, so I make sure I understand because yeah, I walk into, I, I've gotten much more comfortable with my chapter, but when I walk into to national, I think I'm experiencing this vulnerability that, you know, everybody's there, everybody's smiling. We've, we know a lot of people and, you know, you might be kind of new, but, oh, Bruce and his last name, he got inducted. Turkel? Uh, yes, uh, uh, into the Hall of Fame. And his acceptance speech was about, not about him, but about everybody in that audience. And, and, and kind of took a little bit of, of a key from, uh, Marilyn Sherman about you know the leadership in the front row that basically you all can do this. You just need some help. You need to build, in essence, kind of build that community. But you need to come up here in the front. You need to introduce yourself and and, and not be intimidated, uh, which I thought was a really interesting message because I, I I believe I'm not the only one there that's feeling this. And I assume a lot of other newbies per se, you know, we put on a good face, but that talk that's in our head, that, that, that the fears and, and everything that's going on, I, I'm not, I don't, and I've been to about four or five conventions. I don't think that's really to any depth being addressed. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think that's why we need to talk about more. And I love talking and I love that you said you need to make the same effort and not be intimidated because somebody just sharing that with us, that reduces that mental isolation. But I also love combating this using kind of a laughter approach. I call it shared laughter. It's those moments where we're connecting together. Like if you can do it, I can do it. And to me, that's what shared laughter is. It's just any moment where we're connecting as humans and we're, we're chuckling together, we're connecting together and like, you can do it and I can do it because you can do it. You know, it's just that connected feeling. So I don't know. That's just another thought for you. So how do you, how do you get the shared laughter? Is it, you get the shared laughter within the community that you build and you use laughter to help deal with some of these fears and demons and things that are going on? Yeah, so I can give you kind of an example. So I have a friend, this story, I feel so connected every time I think of this story. I have a friend who was at a really high-end party and she dished up this beautiful piece of cheesecake. Like she loves cheesecake. Like there were these fancy people all around her too. And she went and took a bite and discovered that it was brie. It was like pungent cheese and it wasn't what she was expecting it to be. And I loved it because she kept telling me how she felt in this moment. And to me, this is what shared laughter is like. I, she says, I ate the whole thing so that everyone in the room thought that's what I meant to do. And I was asking <laughs> her, like, didn't you even get a cracker? And she's like, I didn't even wash it down with our cracker. And to me, it's about connecting over like our flaws or our fears, or our failure, or our effort. But those times that things aren't going 
right or the time the times we're working through things. So to me, that's what shared laughter is. It's sitting down and being a little more open with someone about about some of these things that you're experiencing, that you're feeling, so that you don't feel quite so alone. So you feel like you can do this. Because if I go back to that under pressure project, you realize that that solution really says that if you develop a support network, that is one of the top things that can pull you through. And I love having that support network where, where people are connected and saying, if you can do it, I can do it. I'm repeating it, but it's so important. If you can do it, I can do it. So in this, this shared laughter, when you told the story the first time you did stand up and you, had, you heard crickets? We, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we shared in that laughter because I remember the first time I did it and I heard crickets as well. And I remember getting off the stage going, why end up, did I ever want to even think about doing it? This is insane. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. But then the next day I went, heck, I'm going to go try it again. And yeah, I, yes. I just said, I'm not going to I'm not going to let this this defeat me. Uh, and, and I still heard crickets again. Uh, but I do a applaud you kind of a backup for a sec i do applaud you for the study in comedy that you have done is to take jokes break them down and see what is similar looking for those patterns i i i think that's one of the reasons why your session went so well and i i think just for anybody you know i i sometimes i don't even think about patterns and and this conversation has made me stop and think i need to start looking at more patterns to look for that commonality uh it, it's but that's not part of my dna but i i need to turn that into part of my dna so i i, I you you are a researcher by by far you're a better researcher than i could ever think about being well, and I think it's good. That's why we can make good teams in the world here because I sometimes I feel like I'm very good at like being on the spot funny, like with improv. I've learned so much from improv as well. And so anytime I see someone going through that, like it's cool to share in each other's strengths. But I've learned, um, I've learned what makes someone laugh. And one of the biggest kickers for me that turned things around at that comedy club is understanding what misdirection is. Like, you can't just get up there and be sarcastic and be like, I hate cheese or whatever. You need to apply like a, a technique to it. And once I figured out the technique, it changed everything. But for me, misdirection is about the ability to provide like this thought shifting experience for your audience in the clearest words possible. So really what we're doing is just, we're creating a diversion. Like we're actually like creating, crafting this experience sometimes in sentences, like using assumptions or giving the wrong answer or leading people to think one thing when, re when you really know you're going to kind of share something different. Um, and once I started doing that with jokes, it made a difference. So um, I'm a mom comedian. If an example, let me see if I've got an example off the top of my head. This, this is one of my favorites just because it's my life. I have three kids. So, but like before I had kids, I could actually go on vacation. Now I have to pack for five people. And that's just when I go to the post office. <laughs> and see, that's just, I see, we're analyzing humor again, but it's hard to laugh when you're analyzing it. But what I do is I, I knew, and it's easier to write backwards. If I knew, I knew I was 
packing and, and that joke goes on. They have some more tags and such to it. But if I knew where I was going with it, it was so much easier to work backwards and write this assumption like we are going on vacation when really I'm surprising them. So once I figured out misdirection, it changed so much for me and it made all the difference to realize that there's this technique to it and I loved it. Yeah, I do love uh, that misdirection, and you taught the 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 rule of threes, which is a very powerful way in, in misdirection, and which got me to think one day. I said the one thing that we all have in common is that we all have a brain, and our brains are made up of neurons, protons, and morons. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. So that's yeah, but it's another one of those things that I think you know whether you are a speaker or not, or you want to be a presenter, and because humor goes a long way in in making people connecting with people, making people laugh. It, it stimulates the brain. It helps us to remember things. And I think the more that we can use humor, the the more likelihood that whatever message we are trying to deliver will stick. And your core, I mean, we're, and we're talking, I, you know, there's a difference between humor and jokes. I, I look at a joke as uh, a priest and a rabbi and Bill Clinton walk into a bar. You're going to, you, you're, you're offending the priest and the rabbis here. Uh, and, and humor, it, it's, it's a lot of, especially if it's self-deprecating, goes a long way in helping people remember. So you can take any topic out there, and, and if you can create some type of humor around it, the likelihood people will remember dramatically increases. Uh, and to your, to your other point that you said humor does, help relieve stress. There is helpful benefits in humor. I mean, I think about the, the, the movie that was based on a real-life experience, uh, Patch Adams that Robin Williams starred in. Humor heals. Right. Well, I just think humor also helps us snap present. You have to be present to laugh, and we're not off wandering. Sometimes I think when we're under so much pressure, too, as our minds are everywhere, we're, we're, we've got this worry grating on us, but if we're laughing... It snaps us present. It kind of, and sometimes it can take you out of yourself. So you, it's kind of like watching a movie. Like when you go into the movie theater, like you take a break for a minute. And so when you laugh, you're taking a break and you're relaxing, and it makes a big difference. Like you said, it, it helps people remember things, but it also provides this experience where we're, we get to take a break and we're also present. So it's good stuff. Okay, so you're using the word present, and I'm going to go back to you said you, you've done improv, and you know that I've done some improv. Yeah. So what have you learned from improv that's, that helps in this situation? Oh, it's so good. Okay, I was saying earlier, I know spur of the moment isn't necessarily one of my stronger talents. I usually can't. I usually have to write a minute before a joke will come out. So I took, as part of kind of that experience, after the comedy club, I started taking improv classes, and I loved it. Oh, I loved it so much because I learned, I learned some, I learned to chill out. (laughs) (laughs) I learned that I have, I have time when I'm on stage. You know how when you're on, I decided if you're ever on stage speaking, it's like turn one second is like 30 seconds in your mind. Mm -hmm. You know how there's this time change. I've learned that I have time on stage. Uh, One of the things that I loved most about improv was the line games. So basically what they would have, everyone doing it line up in one line and they would throw out 
um, like a, a scenario, like, hey, waiter, like, hey, waiter, there's something in our soup. And you have to combine, like, on the spot, you write a joke about what's in the soup. And they said, and they'd, they'd take suggestions from the audience. So they would shout out, like, um, a shoe. <laughs> and so what they taught me was to list build. And that has made all the difference. I know it's just gathering data, but I feel like one of my most powerful creative skills, especially when I'm doing comedy, is the ability to list the ability to make some connections here. So if even then, like he said, shoe, I just think about all that are associated with shoes, like laces, smells, bowling, soles. Like I just go through those things. And so when they do, you do a, Hey, waiter joke, like I would stand up there and say, Oh, I'm so sorry from the bottom of my soul. Aww. And that is a bad <laughs> joke. Oh, you, I got an awe, <laughs> but really like, it's not a great joke, <laughs> but one of the things I also learned was how to stand on stage and love what you are doing. If you, and you say that line with confidence, like I'm sorry from the bottom of my soul. If you can just stand up there and love what you are doing, the audience will love what you are doing too. And that helped me get over like my bad jokes or my fear of like, what if this is it going to turn out right? Because I've learned sometimes our crowd doesn't laugh for a couple of reasons. They don't laugh if they're worried for you. You have to show them you belong on stage and you have to love your bad jokes. And you can use saber lines to show them you're okay, even if they're not laughing. Because crowds, I feel like they respond to confidence. And if you're on it, just Sometimes if your unaddressed insecurities make an audience want to protect you and not laugh with you. So if you can address those with some confidence, it makes a big difference. So there's one. I'm sure I just talked a lot. What do you got? What do you... <laughs> no, I, I, I love the, obviously the concept of, um, you know, the ability to think on your feet with, with improv, the ability to accept what the other person says and add on to it, the concept of yes and. Uh, you were talking about presence, but I, I think through all of it, the one thing that's taught me more than anything else is what is about listening. Ooh, good. That's good. Listening to what the other person says and then having a little pause or a moment just to process and then either asking a question, pushing the conversation forward, but not using these words of but and no. Because those are those just a vocal motion, and, and then things can get derailed. But if we accept somebody's idea and build onto it, you, you never know what what will happen with it. And that's the whole, you know, that the the uh, hey waiter, there's a shoe in my soup, and the person who might be the second person to follow up on that has to accept there's a shoe in the soup and go through very rapidly through a list build and, and go, well, just don't get the laces stuck in your teeth and you'll be okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> or that stinks. Oh, yeah. There's that, another one for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or don't let the odor eaters eat your soup. Uh, so, we, I mean, there's just millions of them. But yeah, and, and, and it, it, but it also taught me, and you said this, it, it's okay to fail. Uh, because we we do fail. You, you, we tell a bad joke. We tell a bad analogy. That's okay. It's not life or death. There are saver lines or like, you know, that really sounded great in my head or my dogs laughed at it or whatever. And just move forward and, 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 and be fearless. And that's the, that is such a key because I've seen, I've seen speakers on stage before where like, everything went wrong technically like their AV went out and the way that they handled the failure was the funniest thing I have ever seen because of that 
that be fearless feeling like I'm okay up here and let's have fun up here. And that feeling is so fun. Even when you're in an audience that you see all these things going on, but like it creates this experience you have together, but like failure, I even think of like Johnny Carson when his jokes wouldn't hit, or even I see Jimmy Fallon sometimes too. Like if they're, if they don't hit, like they still, uh, their confidence and their fearlessness make it so it's, still like one of the coolest jokes of the night by the way they handle it. So, and I love that. That helps us get over fear. Like if you're okay on stage, the audience is okay. And they'll laugh with you and have fun with you. Yes. So you you also said something that once you start taking improv, you you began to chill out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I, 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 I take a lot of classes. I continue when I get a chance to go to Chicago, second city, take, take more classes. But the more that I've applied, improv principles into my life i i have i am not under as much pressure tie this back to your project as i was prior to because i i used to get up at, upset at things that i would have no control over and i learned through improv improv provides clarity in very chaotic situations and i look at those chaotic situations are those things i can't control so i don't get worried about them anymore, like why my plane's been diverted to Baltimore from D.C. I have no control over that, so I'm not going to get upset about that. I'm going to find a solution and move forward. Good. Oh, that's good stuff. I feel like I should be taking notes right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. This is like a rich conversation. I like it. And, 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 you know, the example I I share with audiences about that, my mother, and I know she'll probably listen to this podcast, but I'm sorry, Mom. Uh, There was a time we were driving in in Southwest Florida and we got stuck in a traffic jam and we had to be somewhere. And my sweet little mother turned into the salty mouth sailor. And I went, Ma, what, what, where, one, where did you learn those words from? She said, well, you taught me. Well, she was probably right about that. But then I said, why are you losing your mind? We, we can't go forward. We can't go backwards. We have a cell phone. We'll call and tell them we're late. But there's no reason to get upset about it. And, and you know, she said, well, how did you become so smart? And I kind of told her about the improv. And, and this is part of my, my book coming out. Uh, and um, I said, Ma, what? So you've been saying we never talk. So let's have a conversation. Okay, you might be right, son. What do you want to talk about? I said, can you loan me $10,000? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't what she wanted to hear, but it made her laugh. But I, I think we get caught up. Part of this under this pressure is we focus on things that we have no control over that drive us insane. If we just focus on the things that we do have control over, and that's what improv has taught me. It's good. Yes. I like that a lot. Um, it reminded me, I don't know if you, this is a whole different experience, but I think about like work life balance situations too. And, and some more pressure that we go through and how you apply it to everyday life. So I think work life balance is kind of funny. I I think it's like walking a tightrope over boiling lava because there's no, (laughs) there's no survival. You just, there's no balance. You just survive. So that's, that's what it is. But there was one time I was asked to do a radio show interview on, um, a day my kids were home from school. And I thought, you know what? We're going to make a day of this. I am going to have fun. I'm going to be with my family and be a professional at the same time. (laughs) And, um, so by the time I loaded everyone in the car, we stopped. We had to find someone's shoe. I had to get someone to the bathroom. And by then, we lost someone else's shoe. We had to grab the bag. Someone else had to go to the bathroom. We get to the car. And by this time, I have to go to the bathroom. But we don't stop because we, <laughs> we got to keep going. We got to get on the road. So so we get on the road. And 
at the time she was six years old and I like to call her rainbow bright because she's sparkly. She, um, threw up, she got car sick and threw up all over the back seat while I was trying to get to this radio show interview. So we pulled, we like zero through four lanes. Um, we were in the carpool lane, <laughs> obviously, cause we qualified and we zoomed over and we went into target <laughs> and I thought, okay. And, and I realized at the same time that I had forgotten the stroller and my little, um, he was two at the time. We like to call him the flying squirrel <laughs> because he must be contained at all times. <laughs> so my little flying squirrel, I realized we need to get a stroller. So I thought this is a solution. We can do this. I can't control all of this, but we can do this. I kind of got this mindset that I'm trying to survive this terrible ordeal. So we clean up the backseat of the car. I use anything I can find. I grab like an old insurance card. That's what I've got the glove box. So we clean up, we go inside and we buy a new stroller, buy new clothes. We get back to the car. And I realized we'd left the car door open the whole entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, while I was worried about theft, I realized that it was a pretty good theft deterrent having vomit in the air. <laughs> so, and I was just glad that we could air out the car. And so anyway, I end up getting lost on the way to the babysitter. I end up getting to my radio show interview and I'm a professional the whole time. And I've got all this pressure because I got my family thoughts are going everywhere. But I tell you, I navigated that interview like Michael Phelps going for his 18th gold medal. I focused, I focused during that. And then when I was done, I thought this is all downhill from here. Sorry, this is just the day in the life of here, dealing with our stress every day, trying to laugh through and survive. I realized, well, we got back in the car. I took the kids to the mall and I thought, we're, it's all downhill from here. We're going to go to the Lego store. And we go to get out the stroller and I realized it had zip ties. So I'm calling for help anywhere I can. Please, anyone, does anyone, can you cut off these zip ties? And no one could. And um, my flying squirrels running all throughout the parking lot. Rainbow Bright's like, ooh, sparkly, look at them. And I am just in panic. So I grab all three of the kids. We go in and I can't get the zip ties off. By the time we finally do, the stroller had no front wheels. And so it's just one of those days where it was one thing after another, after another. And I realized like, we just locked the flying squirrel in the stroller and we popped a wee wee because the back wheels were on through the mall. And at this point I get like a, a client phone call, but to me, I have to let it go because in these moments I have to have the same focus right. as when I navigate that interview. So anyway, it's just one of those days where everything goes wrong, but I love how I look back on it and I can pull out the humor and it was stressful at the time, but I, I think we can survive with focus and humor. So that was a long story, but it's, it's a good one and a, a good, bad one. <laughs> yeah. The day we bought a stroller with no wheels. <laughs> that that's a that's a fascinating story. I, I'm sitting there going, so by the end of the day, after a day like that, the only way to really unwind was with wine, or some type of an adult be or some type of an adult beverage. There you go. I actually don't drink, so uh, I swallow it swallow it down with some water or chocolate. But, <laughs> but yes, that is definitely the way people think. Like, whoo, we got to unwind after this. Yes. Well, in that story, you you, you said a couple of things. You said focus. Uh, and, and the ability to be focused, present in the moment, all the time listening to the environment around you, really helped you 
not freak out and panic because I think a lot of people would. I think some people would even say, I can't do the interview now. This is just way too too much for me to, to handle. And I give you a lot of kudos for being able to compartmentalize, separate, and then get to the interview and be not worried about what just happened, not worried about the vomit and, and, and all of that, and sit there and do the interview very professionally. And then when it's all said and done, okay, got to go go back to that other type of reality that I'm dealing with that, you know, and then have to get over those other hurdles. Thanks. And if I can add something back to this concept of shared laughter, how we're only like smiling around people and putting on our perfect front. When I was actually in the interview, I brought it up because sometimes Sometimes I think we need to connect more over, like I keep saying, our flaws, our fears, our failures, our effort, the things that are going wrong. And sometimes I think we're, I know you have to be mindful about bringing family into professional environments, but I think it's about being a little more honest and upfront about some of our struggle. Because when I was in that interview, I talked about it. I said, hey, guess what just happened? My life's not perfect. I think sometimes we put on these kind of perfect fronts. I like to say that I come from a perfect family and by perfect, I mean, we all have a therapist (laughs) and by perfect, like I've inherited anxiety. And I think sometimes when we have these atmospheres, it, it just puts us up for more pressure. And so I love when we can just relax a little bit more and be real and share glimpses of the things that go on in our lives that are real. Because if I can do it, you can do it. And if you can do it, I can do it. Well, people, I, I think people are afraid to be vulnerable for one, whatever it is. And, you know, it's maybe it's the Facebook effect. Somebody has recently told me, you know, the Facebook effect that everybody, when you post, everything's, everybody's got this hunky dory great life and nobody's talking about the other stuff that's going on. So it's, it's that, that perennial of some other equated Facebook is like, you know, that perennial always going on that same first date. Cause you remember the first date, we never talk about anything until we get later, yeah, yep. l- later into it. I, I think those of those of us who can be vulnerable to accept our, our fears and our failures and, and share them in a way that doesn't bring everybody down, but share it in a way that, Hey, you know, I'm not, like you said, I'm not perfect. And just in that, essence everybody in that audience goes well if she's not perfect and and after they hear the story everybody can relate to it i think you become much more relatable when you are more vulnerable with your audience that was well said i like that i like that well and i think boundaries are also really important as well because just because someone says how are you doesn't mean we should emotionally overload on people (laughs) i think sometimes well, sometimes we like to use how are you as like a greeting. We don't even answer it. We're like, how are you? And we just respond by like, how are you? You know, we never respond to that question fully. And I think it's okay to know that that question, how are you, sometimes is used as a greeting. And it doesn't mean you need to like have poor boundaries. <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, I think it's okay sometimes to show glimpses because we share like our most tender things with people, people who honor us, people, uh, people who show that they've, they can, they've earned the right to hear from you and that's okay. But sometimes it's okay to show glimpses of that day, you know, you were late and they threw up in the car and you, and it just was a bad day. I think it's okay to show glimpses of those things because it does make us real. So yes. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it, and I agree with the boundaries. I mean, there's just some things that should be kept within those boundaries and, and uh, it shouldn't, shouldn't be shared. Uh, and there's some people who like to share everything. And, you know, there, there's, there, there's a balance there. There's always a balance in all this. But I, I think in the right setting with the right story and showing the vulnerability, I believe it helps with connecting to whatever audience you're you're speaking to, and this audience can be family, it could be an event, it, it could be on a phone call. Um, I, I think it goes a long, long, long way of helping connect with somebody else. And I think that's a big challenge that we all have in business today: is how do we connect? How do we emotionally connect with somebody else? Because we do business with with people that we trust. We don't do business with people that we don't yeah. trust. And there's a whole aspect there of, you know, I, I think you share you and, and you, you connect with somebody and you build that relationship, you build that trust. And everything of value is built on trust, according to David Horsager, who spoke at the NSA uh, influence session. Uh, he was the one who wrote Trust Edge. Okay, yes. It, it helps in building that level of trust. And with trust, as long as we have that trust, we can accomplish anything. But the, the crazy thing is, it's so hard to build trust, but it's so easy to lose it. Right. And to me, it's a lifelong process. Like, all of this, all of this is what we talked about today. Like, laughter, dealing with our pressures, building trust being vulnerable, understanding our boundaries. Like this isn't just like a one-time magic thing that we're going to figure out. It's a lifelong process. But it's okay to know that we figure this out as we go and, and we do our best. And that's good. And, and, and that is good. And, and to that effect of thinking about, you know, we've never, we, we met face-to-face at NSA, but prior to that, we, we didn't know each other. And, and you asked a question at, at, before we got started when we were talking, but you realized, I told you I, I knew Rick Roberts, who you knew. So just that one person helped increase that level of trust on both ends. Right. Yeah. How a connection can. Good. Exactly. And, and after that session ended, I, 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 I believe I gave you my business card and said, I'd love to talk to you at some time and, and, and connect to maybe be on my podcast. And, and you had agreed. I'm not sure if, if that would happen if there wasn't some person or persons in the room that could validate my credibility in order to have something done. And, and, and to take this along those lines is the more we meet people, the more we network um, helps with all of that. And humor helps in that connection. And when we're talking about shared laughter and community, it helps build up our own community, our own therapy group, per se. <laughs> or so, yeah, friends with boundaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. I love that friends with boundaries. There you go. How can if, if uh, people are listening? To this, how can how can they find you? How can they contact? How can people contact you? Easy enough. I'm located at KarenEddington.com. My TED Talk's right there on the homepage as well. So, or email. You can email me at Karen at KarenEddington.com. Reach out. I'd love to connect. I love to connect with people. So that's great. I, I will I will put that information in the show notes as well as links to your website and to your TED Talk. Uh, Karen, I can't thank you enough for for taking time. I've had an absolute blast. Uh, I've I've learned 
a lot more than I, I had anticipated on learning from you. And I greatly appreciate you sharing your knowledge with me and my audience. Oh, good. You're so welcome, Pete. I took notes myself. I this, We thought this would be funny, but I thought, whoa, this actually went kind of deep and went some, to some good information. So I might have to re-listen to the podcast and whole page of notes. So I'm so <laughs> delighted to um, to connect with you here. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And I, I will try to get you up on a few future episode and we can go through a discussion on the techniques of misdirection. I know we just, we, we kind of just touched the top of it, but uh, I, I'd love for you to share some of those techniques and, and with my audience so they can build more humor into uh, their presentations. Great, great. We can do that. Well, thank you again so very much. And um, go see if you can wrestle those three kids uh, down and keep them all in one spot. (laughs) Sounds good. Okay, have a great day. I would like to thank Karen again for being a guest today and discussing how to better deal with pressure. She gave us some great tips and helping us to manage that pressure and create a shared laughter. If you've been listening lately, you know that I've partnered with the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute to bring an exciting new learning opportunity for accounting professionals to earn CPE credits. The initial response has been very positive. You can earn up to one self-study CPE credit for each completed podcast episode purchased for only $29 through the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute self-study website. The podcast episodes are mobile-friendly. Open your browser on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Go to the MACPA BLI self-study account and listen to an episode. Take the review and final exam while you're working out or After listening to an episode on your commute to and from work, it's that easy. Now, while All Selected Improv is No Joke podcasts are available on my website, only those purchased through the MACPA BLI self-study website are eligible for CPE self-study credit. You can get detailed information by visiting my website at petermargaritas.com and clicking on the graphic, Listen, Learn, and Earn Improv is No Joke podcast on my homepage. I hope you enjoy this exciting and flexible new way of earning CPE credit. Remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you'd like to purchase a personalized side copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, Using Improvisations to Create Positive Results in Leadership and in Life, for only $14.99 and the shipping's free, please go to my website and you'll see the available now on the homepage. Just click it and go to the shopping cart. In addition, you can download Improv is No Joke audiobook for $14.99 so you can listen on the go. You can follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook by searching The Accidental Accountant. My Twitter handle is at pmargaritas. And you can find me on Instagram by searching pmargaritas. You can connect with me on LinkedIn by searching my name, Peter Margaritas. In episode 67, I interviewed Tom Hood, who is the CEO of the Maryland Association of CPAs and the Business Learning Institute, on the topics of anticipatory CPA and artificial intelligence. Thank you again for listening, and I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes. It really helps gain a greater audience. Remember to use the principles of improvisation to help you better connect and communicate with those in your organization. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.